Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Wednesday, we're going to talk, of course, USC Trojan football with the coach, Harvey Hyde, in this episode. Looking forward to it. We've got a few more nuggets of information about this whole Cliff Kingsbury fiasco. We had a show yesterday with Dan Weber and Keely Yor. We broke down a lot of what we thought. We got some more information now, so we'll give you some more of our thoughts with Harvey Hyde. Like I said, follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. If you have any questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Or if you'd like to call or text us, the number is 424-254-9141. Let's welcome in the coach and talk a little USC football. What's up, coach? How are you? Ryan, I'll tell you what. Uh, what's going on? I'm in pretty good shape. It uh, never seems to end. And I know we'll have a lot of questions, but USC football is a big topic, uh, not only here in Southern California or but around, I think, the coaching world as far as what in the heck is going on. So why don't we get started? Let's do that. Before we jump into anything, I want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can give a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for anything. Hey, the Rams are playing home playoff game this weekend in the Coliseum if you want to get tickets for that Saturday night. Or you can go to SoCalTixTix.com. Check it out. Tell Curtis that the coach sent you over, and he will certainly Take care of you. No uh, no home playoff game for the Chargers. I think they can still get one, but you got the Rams that are be in the Coliseum. So if you want to go check that out Saturday night, give Curtis a call uh, over at Southern California Tickets. All right, Coach. Well, we didn't really get to get your thoughts on this. There's been some new – I guess we'll do a quick update. Cliff Kingsbury is no longer the, head, the uh, offensive coordinator at USC. He's the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals, was introduced uh, a little bit earlier today. Some interesting things came out uh, during the reporting of all this going on. There was reports that USC and Lynn Swan had blocked Cliff Kingsbury from interviewing for NFL jobs. There's a new NFL rule or, or now new and newly enforced NFL rule that would um, that says the NFL franchise would have to get permission from athletic directors to interview college coaches. According to the NFL reports and according to uh, Michael Bidwell, who's the president of the Arizona Cardinals, they said USC did block Kingsbury from interviewing. And then um, so basically he had to resign so he could do the interviews, uh, whatever, however that went down. That's what's coming out of the NFL side. He's now the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. He'll coach uh, former UCLA standout Josh Rosen Um, from the, the sources we've talked on the USC side. Coach, I'll give you real quick. They're pretty much denying this from behind the scenes. No official statements coming out from USC. They're not making any kind of statement about if they blocked him or not. Uh, they kept him on his website, on, on their website, until basically yesterday when it was announced. Um, the sources I talked to, they wouldn't come out and say it, but they're basically saying, hey, he wasn't blocked. So I don't know what's going on. It's a it's a mess no matter what, whichever way you want to look at it. I just want to kind of give everyone the picture that at least – the quick picture, the way I understand it now, but I wanted to get your thoughts, Coach, on this whole fiasco, and then, of course, where USC goes from here. Well, Ryan, I think uh, last week when we did our podcast, I said, and you asked me, what if Coach leaves, uh, Kingsbury leaves, 
what would you think of that? And I said, a disaster. Do you remember that term I used? Yep. A disaster. And I think personally right now that's the state of the football program. Everybody's trying to find out if he was blocked. Everybody's trying to find out what happened. Uh, the buyout. But I mean a buyout. $150,000 buyout. Are you kidding me? Who put that in a contract? I mean, you know, that's uh, tipping money for the NFL or who, anybody who wants to buy out somebody. So, you know, and not uh, making comments as far as to the reaction, like congratulations, we're glad he had an opportunity to better himself, and uh, that's what we hope all our coaches and people that come to USC have the opportunity of moving on and becoming a head college coach or whatever, because that means we've got something good going on here. So I, I think there's a lot of confusion and people that really don't know what to do at USC, and I think that's the biggest problem. You lose coaches a lot at major college universities, and you and you and you learn to adapt, or you have a backup plan. And uh, uh, one thing I noticed is very quiet on the Clay Helton front. I mean, he hasn't come to the or had a press conference or anything else. I don't know who's the spokesman is of the football program currently right now. Maybe there isn't one, but uh, all the direction of where the controversy is right now, it's with Lynn Swan. As far as the column I read today in the Los Angeles Times by Bill Plasky and others, it seems as though the leadership now is being questioned as far as exactly what's happening with the football program. And if the necessary moves were made way back after the UCLA game, as far as should they have kept Clay Helton, should they have cleaned house then, should they have tried to follow the program or the model of what Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame and all these different things, rather than knowing what is needed at USC and what needs to be done there as far as a complete changing of the staff or the guard or whatever's going on. And I think what everybody's looking at is what's next, because uh, that is a big step, too, because you did a lot of recruiting. You made him the front of the program, articles, Dan Patrick show, all the different things that he was a part of is now all of a sudden disappeared with controversy. So I think right now there's got to be a lot of uh, mending done and uh, not just a uh, a Band-Aid on this cut, but a tourniquet yeah. to stop the bleeding. I think the bleeding's got to stop, and we all have different ideas on how they can happen, and I think we'll do that during this show. Yeah, we'll get, we got questions that kind of go into that, but I think one point before we jump into that, this was something, and you, you talked about it, it would be a disaster. I do feel it's a disaster. I don't feel confident that they have... Kingsbury was someone that kind of fell into their laps. It was a perfect situation for both. Kingsbury needed something to come in, and it was a, a great opportunity for him because you take a 5-7 and seven team, basically you're buying a, a great stock. It's like buying Apple on this huge dip. There's so much talent there. He could come in, one hand tied behind his back, blindfold on, and turn this offense into something that scores 40 points a game. Like he, I, I'm very confident he could have done that. USC goes from five and seven to like nine and three or something at worst. And he looks like a genius. It was a great situation for him, obviously for Clay Helton, who's trying to hold on to his job. It works out for everybody. Not realizing, hell, an NFL head coaching position could come along. And I don't blame him for taking that at all. But the, the, the way it worked out, coach, is because USC fans were so upset at the five and seven season, so upset that there wasn't the major changes that they felt should have been made, like, you know, redoing the, at least redoing the entire staff. But for the most part, people wanted a change as a head coach. All that stuff didn't happen. All the eggs were in the Cliff Kingsbury basket. And if you looked at the 
renewal forms for all of the season ticket holders. It it was basically all behind Cliff Kingsbury. Come to see this exciting USC offense, Cliff Kingsbury. They're going to put up a bunch of points. That's how they were trying to get the pe- get people back to the Coliseum in the newly renovated three hundred million dollar Coliseum. He was like their marketing guy. I mean, the the reason that you know the the reason for people to come see it. Now he's gone, like you said. That's why you said this would be a disaster because they really really were relying on the offensive coordinator. It wasn't the head coach. It wasn't the athletic director. It wasn't all this other stuff. They relied. They put all of the you know all of the emphasis was on the offensive coordinator, and he's gone after thirty four days. Not a smart move. Not a smart move because anything can happen in uh, a year. And uh, you keep a head football coach because you certainly feel he should be the face of your program. If he shouldn't be the face of your program, then he shouldn't be the head football coach. Who is uh, Cliff Kingsbury working for? The athletic director or Clay Helton? Was he bigger than the football program? And obviously, uh, you know, that's the way it was headed. So uh, I'm not uh, sure just who made that decision. As far as marketing an assistant football coach to be the face of your program, but it wasn't smart, and it certainly did backfire on them. Now we'll see what's going to happen, and we can discuss that, or I can answer questions. All right, let's jump into uh, some of these questions and stuff. Um, we had a, a really long voicemail from Ray in Pasadena, so we couldn't. It's too long. Plus, he used some colorful language that we probably weren't going to play on the the podcast, but he was basically saying he's very happy that Cliff Kingsbury is gone. He wants to get someone who wants to be here. He thought that you should talk to Mike Leach and get someone else who runs his system. Uh, I'm not sure if you could talk to a rival coach to try to make your program better, but I don't know. Maybe he would tell you. Um, but you, you I, I kind of agree with Ray as far as I'd like to see someone else from this same kind of coaching tree that runs that same sort of system. Uh, but I don't know, what, are you, what are your thoughts on what Ray in Pasadena said, Coach? Well, Ray, I I know what you're thinking of, and uh, I know that, again, you have Clay Helton as the face of the program, and, again, you're bringing someone else uh, in uh, to uh, undershadow or overshadow, I should say, your head football coach, and I don't think that's something you should do. If you can't have your head football coach be the face of your program, then you've got to make a change. And whether you want to do that now or if you did it before or whatever, you can't try to glue this program back together you got to make a statement otherwise you're putting this program farther and farther behind every day that you don't make a move and you don't go in the right direction which is correcting it right now it's in a spiral as far as going down now i'm looking at something and i'm just throwing this out as a suggestion but somebody that the people i know that would accept somebody who lives locally somebody who can start work tomorrow somebody that's coached more quarterbacks than uh, Cliff Kingsbury and quarterbacks that have won the Heisman Trophy as many or more as a person living in Torrance, California named Norm Chow. Now, Norm Chow knows as much offense as anybody. In fact, he's a part of Southern California. He's here. He was there for the golden years with Pete Carroll. And if they could take someone with this type of offense that they don't have to Market is the face of the program, and Norm doesn't want to be the face of the program. Norm just loves offense, and I'm just saying somebody like Norm Chow, that you don't have to worry about convincing people who he is, or he can coach quarterbacks, or he can run an offense, because he's done it all. 
and uh, he could come in as a full-time coach, somebody like him, Norm Chow. I'm not his agent. I'm not speaking for him. I'm not saying that this is what he told me to do. Nothing. I'm just saying I could sit back and say, wow, that is quick, fast. It's somebody that if I was a quarterback, I'd say, wow. And again, he knows the two-back offense. He knows what he's doing. He's, he's a seasoned person. And it can be an immediate fix. But again, are they in a position to do that? Is his name too big? Uh, do they want him to be the face of the program? He does not want to be the face of the program. He never has been. But uh, he could come in and run your offense and do one hell of a job. And these are the type of things I'd be looking at right now is to put a, a tourniquet on this bleeding and move down the street and let him, of course, select his staff. Don't tell him who his staff is going to be and move on. All right. We got to vote for Norm Chow from Coach Harvey Hyde. Bring him out of retirement. Um, yeah, I think he's in. Uh, I think he's in Manhattan Beach. I believe so. No, he's... he lives right in Torrance. He lives in Torrance. He, you know, he could be there tomorrow. Oh, interesting. All right. If 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 you know, and I don't know if he would want to do this, but I'm sure he would, especially when it doesn't require another move. You know yeah. what I mean? Gotcha. All right. Well, let's, we got a voicemail here. I'm going to play it for you. Hey, Ryan and Coach, uh, this is Jeff in the OC. I'm so sick and tired of all this crap about Kingsbury. You know what? This is what's wrong with society is that uh, we're putting way too much emphasis on the hype of people and coaches and young people coming out of the college ranks who haven't proven anything. He has not a proven record. He has a losing record. So why would we even bother to hire him? Why? Because... The hype about his offensive scheme? Give me a break. I think people are just trying to copycat what the Rams have done. This is so ridiculous. And, Coach, i got to tell you, whatever happened to the mature season veteran coach in the college ranks or in the professional ranks, you know what? Older people still have the wisdom and wherewithal to be the leaders at a school like USC. I'm tired of this ageism thing. You know, we talk about sexism and uh, uh, all other kinds of politically correctness. What about people that still have a great opportunity? Well, I agree with you 100%. I think you do. Well, you know, it goes back to that same old theory of uh, have somebody around you that's done it. And if he's failed or did something wrong, he's already done it somewhere else. And when he comes here or goes to USC or a program like USC, he's been through it all, and he wants the people around him that's been through it all too and can be through it with him where I'm only as good as what surrounds me. And I think youth is great as far as the enthusiasm of recruiting and this and that. But again, the knowledge of the X and O's and all the other things that go around it is very important too. And the student-athlete themselves and the importance of that student-athlete and the father image that young student athletes look towards, I think is very, very important. Very, very, very difficult for a student athlete to play for a guy that's about his same age and talk to him personally and take advice for him as far as real life is concerned because the coach himself hasn't really experienced the heights of his life and what's right and wrong and how to deal with all these different things. So I really do think that you should have quality, experienced coaches, especially in your coordinatorships, people who have lived the life, been it, done it, not just talked about it. And I agree 100%. And a program such as USC, you should be able to attract the top 
coaches in the world as far as college football is concerned. Because I look at USC's Trojan football program as one of the elite football programs in America. And if you let your standards drop down, quickly you lose that eliteness. So I would say they have to do something immediately. I like your uh, assumption of the same thing as far as the youth in in, uh, too many spots at one time. Uh, one thing I would disagree with, Jeff, uh, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury's offense is hype. I think they would he would come in and kill it at USC. And he's 39 years old. It's not like – I think in the NFL, they're trying to find the next Sean McVay for sure. That's a copycat league. I don't think that's what USC was doing. I don't care what age he is. He's a great system. Mike Leach is older. His system is awesome. Like you would love – I would love to see that kind of stuff. So uh, I don't I don't think Kingsbury's offense was all hype. Maybe him going to the NFL and being the Cardinals head coach, That's there's a lot of hype there. But I would think his offense at USC would be good. Um, we got John and Brea wrote in, Coach. He said, I was in Splitsville. I was, I'm sorry. I was at Splitsville in Anaheim last night for a bowling party. And they have televisions above the lanes. On one TV was a breaking news coverage of ESPN that Cliff Kingsbury was named the head coach of the Cardinals. And on the other screen popped up the random bowling fun fact that the NFL Hall of Fame member Lynn Swan is also a member of the Bowling Hall of Fame. The irony was not lost on any of us. If only Lynn Swan could do for USC Athletics what he did for the sport of bowling. This is sort of an off-season question for Coach Hyde. Do you think bowling is a sport or is it just a recreational game? Can we simply apply the logic? If it was once on Wild World of Sports or ESPN, it must be a sport, right? John Abrea. That's a hilarious fact. I had no idea that he was a member of the Bowling Hall of Fame. No, I didn't either. I didn't even know he bowled. I don't know when you have time to bowl, being an athletic director, head football coach, but obviously it's a social type of event, and I think it's a sport. It's an individual type of sport. Of course, you have team scores, but uh, yeah, he's a great athlete, so I'm sure he'd be pretty good at that. should be pretty good at golf or tennis or anything where he uses his individual skills. And bowling is, is, is a lot of fun. You can smoke and drink when you do it. It's a, it's a little bit different <laughs> than other sports. Yeah. And it's really, it's really sort of recreational, you know. Uh, and, but I did not know that uh, he did or is a bowler. And the next time I see him, I'll sort of congratulate him on that. What, weird. In Western Pennsylvania, there's a lot of bowlers there. Uh, I remember gr- yeah, growing up, there was a, bowling was kind of a big thing, so... I don't know, maybe, I, but no idea. That's really interesting. If we ever get a press conference where we can talk to, to Lynn Swan, because we never get that, maybe we can ask him about being in the Bowling Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, but that's a really interesting, fun fact. Thanks for that, John. Uh, here's another voicemail question for you, Coach. Looking at who could be the next offensive coordinator for USC. Hi, this is Eddie from Orange. I'm not really a USC fan, uh, more of a modern-day uh, high school football fan, and because of that, follow UFC pretty heavily. Um, and I have a crazy thought. Why not just hire Dave Money, uh, the offensive coordinator for modern day, to be the offensive coordinator for USC? Guy uh, knows a lot of the players already at USC. Um, him and uh, Jason Daniels are really close, uh, really close with Drew McCoy, really close with, uh, you know, Amarasi Brown. They ran the air raid at modern day. JT was really, really good at it. And the quarterback coming in after JT, also really close with um, 
Dave Money and also won a national championship with Dave Money. Um, Bruce Rollinson's coming towards the end of his career. Um, you know, Rollo probably still has like two or three years left, but, you know, might be a, a time to make a crazy move. And if Clay Helton's, you know, desperate, make the move and hire the guy who uh, might be able to, to pull something off like this. Anyways, just my thoughts. Go Monarchs. Well, I'll tell you, it's a good thought, and I think that it's a, a smart thing to do to have high school coaches occasionally make your staff be able to come in and coach because then the recruiting areas know that if uh, I'm loyal to USC, someday I might be able to be a part of their staff. But to come in and be a coordinator currently right now at USC, as I just mentioned a moment ago, one of the flagships or elite football programs in America, I don't want a beginner. If you do it on the high school level, I think that's great, and he's very good at what he does. Obviously, there's no question about it. But to come in and deal with different type of kids that uh, are from all different walks of life and also be able to coordinate an offense at USC against some of the top defensive coordinators in the nation or world is, is a step that maybe someday that he'll be able to accomplish, but I don't want him learning on my football program at USC. So I think that uh, someday he might have that opportunity somewhere. It might be great for him if he's planning on going into college football coaching to go to a college maybe smaller and uh, make a name for himself, as Chip Kelly did and others at New Hampshire and came to Oregon and so on, so on, so on. And then you might have that opportunity to have that uh, chance. But I don't think that's the answer currently right now at this time. 100%. Uh, sorry about that, Eddie, but you can't. You can't do that. You can't go from Cliff Kingsbury to a high school coach. No matter how good the high school coach is, maybe to move up to be on the staff somewhere, but not to be the offensive coordinator and play caller jumping that level. Just that would never work. Um, Tark with a Q wrote in, Coach, you know, curious about who the next guy should be. Also, do you think SC would open up the checkbook to get somebody good? And what are the lessons learned for Helton and Swan from this whole Kingsbury situation? I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, will they open up the checkbook? I don't think they will. Uh, I, they have never demonstrated that to me in the past. I'm not quite sure uh, what the strings are as far as on the purse, uh, why they don't want to do this as far as having the best staff that they can find anywhere. And if they have to go out and buy it, you only get what you pay for it, believe me. Uh, again, uh, like I say, you can't be intimidated to have great people around you or maybe a bigger name than what you are as far as what they do. But the face of the program, football-wise, has got to be Clay Helton, and it's got to continue to be Clay Helton. And if it's not Clay Helton, make a change. And I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying there's got to be more of an, uh, a discussion and press conference from the head football coach rather than everything coming out of the athletic director's mouth. Because the athletic director doesn't work with the staff. He hires Clay Helton to make these decisions. Now, of course, Clay Helton takes it to the athletic director for his approval. But if Lynn Swan wants to make all the decisions on who's going to coach my football team and be a part of it, let him coach it. That's what I exactly would tell him if I was Clay Helton. I'm going to put this staff together. You selected me. You said I'm the type of guy to keep it. Yes, we're going to make some changes in the staff. But as long as I'm the head football coach here, I'm going to make these decisions. And if you don't like who I bring to you, yeah, you can niche it. But he cannot be the face of the program. He's the athletic director of all programs in the athletic department at USC. Yes, football and basketball are the main generating uh, financial generating sports, but he's got to be able to support the head football coach. And he made the decision 
to keep Coach Clay Helton. And since he made that decision, he better show his support to Coach Clay Helton and who they select to surround him as far as his assistant coaches. And I hope that he's doing that. Otherwise, make a change in Clay Helton, even if it's now. Don't be doing things that aren't right as far as for your athletic department and your boosters and your student athletes and all of it. Um, what about the lessons learned for Helton or Swan? Well, I, I don't know if they learned any lessons. I, I really don't. They're, they're not supposed to learn these lessons. You're supposed to know about them when you come there. You're supposed to come into your job as far as an athletic director, understanding what it is to hire a head football coach and what it's all about as far as uh, being an athletic director on this level type of program. And I don't think it's Lynn Swan's fault. I think it's the past president's fault as far as people putting him in a position uh, where he hasn't done it before. It's the same thing. I think he, like you said, he was a great football player. I can't quite do He was a great broadcaster. He was a great bowler, which I just figured out. Uh, someone just told me. But he's a first-time doer as far as an athletic director is concerned. And does he have the knowledge and background of knowing exactly how to handle these type of situations? Just like in the last situation, whatever it was, when Sarkeesian was there, and Pat Hayden came out of the press box for a call on the field. Pat Hayden, what is he doing? What is he thinking about? He didn't know what to do, but he hadn't been an athletic director before. He thought he could go down there and con his way through the call or whatever he had to do. He hired Steve Sarkeesian as his football coach. He pays him $2 million a year. If he can't make a decision on a replay or whatever's going on in the field, get a new football coach. And in these type of situations, this is what you're faced with. When you hire people that's doing it for the first time, whether it's a football coach or an athletic director or whatever, and it goes back not to Lynn Swan, it's not his fault, who are the ones that hired Lynn Swan? When you had Steve Lopes or other national credible athletic directors that are out there who have been doing this in administration for 20 years on major college levels, that could come to USC. Nothing against Lynn Swan, except, you know, it's tough to fly. Like I always use this Air Force One when you've flown Piper Cups your whole life or you never flew an airplane. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on. We got, we have a email, a text message actually came in from Rick in Los Angeles. Hey, Ryan and coach. Today is a real wake up call to whoever is running USC. Last night, we saw it, so this was before, after the national championship game. We saw two premier college football teams battle it out for number one. That is what USC needs to get back to championship football. I'm pretty sure Clemson has some good coaches on staff, and today we lose our offensive coordinator to the NFL. I can't take it anymore. Fire Lynn Swan, and, and damn it, start doing things right. If we, the Trojan faithful, can see this, why the hell can't you? Uh, we have become the laughingstock of football. Rick in L.A. Well, Rick, uh, I think that you hear me always talk about the little things that I watch at a football game, how a football coach works the sidelines, how a football coach coaches in practice, tempo of practices, what you accomplish in practice. Are players at playing attention during practices? I mean, are players taking time off and submitting their time during practice in the training room, and then they're going to play Saturday and they're not listening to the game plan on the field? all the different things that we discuss all the time uh, on our podcast. And I'm completely honest with everything I see or talk about as far as dress of the players, as far as the uniforms of the coaches, as far as everything. 
and I looked at those same things again very closely during the game in the Rose Bowl game where I was there and I watched the coaches, the coaches staff work as much as I watch anything else as far as what's happening on the field. And I do also with the USC games and UCLA games and also with the national championship game on Monday night. I watch the coaches work and how they how they dress and how they communicate with their players and all of the above. And I think you have to really uh, admire the way these guys have gotten their programs to where they are. There's the best at every position. There's the best in the weight room, the best on the sideline, the best in the training room, the best everywhere. And you got to have the best, and I, you can't have a weak link anywhere from the way you dress, the way you coach, the way you talk, the way you look, the way you represent the university. And currently right now, it's not being represented to the eyes or the heights that everyone expects it to be. I mean, this is a school that's nationally ranked. This is a university that costs you a lot of money to go to, and your degree is really worth a lot of money. And it means a lot to the alumnus alumni the football and athletic program means a lot and i think the past administration really looked to different ways and just thought that it'd take care of itself and it hasn't taken care of itself yes they've gotten better in other areas but the athletic programs themselves have not gotten better or maintained their credibility and not only in the pac-12 but also nationally yeah. now that should, that should demonstrate to the administration and the regents and trustees and everybody how important football and other sports are to this great university. So someone better pay attention to it. And unless you take care of these things immediately, remember, Ryan and everybody that's listening, everybody is trying to win. It's not just USC. Everybody is trying to win. If you listen to Dabo Sweeney's comments, he's back to work immediately he can't wait for next year yeah with all that enthusiasm where in the hell is the enthusiasm at usc not not like that man at the win the national championship and talk about getting back to work like that week it's like crazy but that's uh that's what you got to do it if you're gonna win um we also got a text from our buddy james in manhattan beach he said my friends are calling me quote sour grapes james in light of my negative stance on cliff kingsbury's departure yesterday let me take a U-turn to Positive Town. The boys and I do an annual trip where we pick an away game to attend in a new city every season. What away game would you suggest for 2019 and why? Cal and Notre Dame aren't options because we've checked those off prior years. Uh, fight on forever, James, Manhattan Beach. And I'll read you the schedule real quick and kind of get your thoughts. So USC has an away game at Brigham Young. I've been there before. Uh, it was in the nineties though. So it's been a while, but that was actually kind of a pretty fun trip. Um, they're Washington to Seattle. That's an awesome one. You can, if you go to Washington, I would suggest tailgating on the water. That's a great experience at Notre Dame. You've already been there at Colorado. Absolutely beautiful to see Ralphie run, uh, in Boulder is, is great. Uh, at ASU. I love that trip too. Mill Ave. You can walk around there. There's so many cool bars and everything. That's fun. And the other away games at Cal that you've already been to. So any thoughts on that, Coach? Uh, Arizona State, Colorado, Washington, or BYU? You know, <clears throat> I don't really know uh, uh, which which trip I'd rather go on. It, it, it makes no difference to me if you're going to have a good time. They're all great locations. They yeah. all have something to offer you. They're all different. They just go and, and go on the road and hope you win. That's the way I used to look at it. <laughs> 
I mean, I didn't really look at the scenery much <laughs> or, or worry about that. Because you were working, would, Coach. You were always working when you're going on there, you know? Yeah, I was working, you know, and, 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 and you know, and it's, it's different. But I think you can have good, a good time no matter where you go yeah, as long as you, uh, you know, focus on what you're going for and enjoy the sights and tailgate and be with your friends and family and laugh a lot. And to go to the ball game and win, I think the thing that con- that uh, sort of seals it is if you win or lose, yeah. Then it's a great trip home. So uh, go where they can beat somebody. <laughs> that's I think that's a, that's well put. Um, if you want to do see Colorado ASU, you can do it any time because they're Pac-12 South. You don't see Washington all the time because they're Pac-12 North. And BYU, you might not see I don't know for decades. So if it's just one you want to knock off the list. Maybe it's BYU, but I think the best experience and definitely go, you know, find some UW fans that are tailgate. They tailgate in a boat on the water. You want to do that a hundred percent if you go to Seattle. So I would, I would say one of those two, James, um, hopefully that helps you out. Okay. We got one last question for you, coach. This is our Paul's. It's kind of long. Uh, I might have to skip parts of it, but he says USC schedule is the elephant in the room that USC fans don't want to talk about. On a previous podcast, Coach Hyde mentioned it looked like USC's worst enemy made their schedule next year and the year after. USC is more interested in tradition than putting together a schedule that keeps up with the current college football format. I'd love to hear the podcast discuss this issue in detail. In 2016, Washington played Portland State, Idaho, and Rutgers out of conference and lost to USC but still made the playoff. Since the conference championship games carry weight with the playoff system, Quality non-conference games aren't needed. Washington proved this point by making the playoffs. Had they played USC's schedule, they could have had that extra loss and played in the Holiday Bowl. It's about uh, taking a 9 or 10 win team and making them a 10 or 11 win team simply based on the schedule. Can anyone imagine UCLA being so dumb as to schedule Oklahoma next year right after the USC game or Oklahoma playing UCLA right before the Big 12 championship or right smack in the middle of the season? I get the USC traditionalist who loves the USC-Notre Dame game and doesn't ever want to see USC-Notre Dame game be shelved. Uh, so put the USC-Notre Dame game at the beginning of the season. The problem with Notre Dame on the schedule is most Power 5 teams only play one decent non-conference game, if at all. Washington obviously didn't play a single tough team in 2016, and it worked out for them. Does USC really want Notre Dame to be their only quality non-conference game every year when Notre Dame being the number three team in the country and could only put 65,000 fans in the seats. Oh, I almost forgot my favorite USC fan response to moving the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame wants to finish on the West coast for recruiting every year. Great. So go play San Diego state or San Jose state. I really think that's why USC will only hire USC athletic directors instead of qualified experienced athletic directors because no experienced realistic AD from outside sunshine pumping USC's inner circle would continue to schedule like USC has with the current conference championship and playoff system. I really think that 2020 schedule is going to affect any coach's decision when considering the USC job too. Thanks and fight on our Pauls. Well, that's a very interesting question and you have a lot of positive points there as far as points of discussion. Uh, first of all, uh, yes, uh, uh, it does uh, mean a lot on your record as far as uh, scheduling a bye game, which means you have a game uh, instead of a bye where you continue with uh, your uh, 
uh, intensity and your practice schedule and everything where you don't break it up and you get a W. The Southeastern Conference does that every year, and it seems how seems that they have somebody in the uh, national championship game every year, so it hadn't made any difference. You can get yourself beat up by playing a lot of big-name schools in non-conference games, but in Southern California, uh, Southern California doesn't buy that, okay? Uh, UCLA uh, the same way. Uh, you play San Jose State, you play some of these schools in Southern California, uh, Louisiana Tech or some of these people, no one will go to the Coliseum. No one will go. But in Tuscaloosa, in Baton Rouge, you'll have a sellout because there's nothing else to do. They don't have an NFL team there. They don't have the different distractions or opportunities that you have in Southern California. So one thing you have to think of as an athletic director and and uh, whatever, the scheduler, you got to have teams that people are attracted to, that people want to come and watch them play. you got to be able to have big-name teams. But the thing is, bringing a big Texas in here or bringing somebody to the Coliseum, you got to be able to play with them. You got to be able to beat them. That even excites the people even more, because the fans of that opponent comes too, and it gets to be a really an exciting event. Because people now have a choice in Southern California: the Chargers, the Rams, and everything else. USC isn't the only football program in Southern California, so you start uh, scheduling by games, and that's what I call them by games, where you get a credit for them, a W, and all of a sudden people don't care. And people criticize that, too, as far as the scheduling is terrible. Who would have scheduled them? Why are they playing them at home? That is ridiculous on homecoming or whatever. So remember, in other parts of the country, Columbus, Ohio, Ann Arbor, and these other places, they've got rich tradition, and they sell out every game because there's nothing else to do. And I'm not critical about you that are all from those cities, but you will answer it with me. What do you do on the weekend? You start talking about the game in Columbus, or you talk about the game in Tuscaloosa, and all of a sudden you've got something someone else doesn't have, and that's a ticket to the game. But in Southern California, you better be playing somebody, and you better be winning at the same time and putting on a show that people want to watch. It's like a good movie. You don't know what the ending's going to be, but you're going to like the ending, and that's what it is. Uh Hey, you know, I forgot we had one last question that was hidden in there under the, that really long email from our Pauls. Um, real quick one, Eric in Duck Country, he said, everyone is criticizing the strength and conditioning staff, but does, doesn't Clay Helton tell Ivan Lewis what kind of development he wants for his players? Is there a lack of results in the weight room? Oh, if there's a lack of results in the weight room, shouldn't it still ultimately fall on the head coach? Thanks, as always, Eric in Duck Country. Absolutely. Everything in the football program is on the shoulders of the head football coach and his uh, type of weight program he's responsible for. He's responsible for the nutritional program. He's responsible for every single area of the football program. Everything that falls under the leadership of the head football coach is like a huge corporation. You're only as good as what your surrounding staff is. And if you don't like what you're seeing as far as, uh, uh, a stack of dimes uh, on the field as far as uh, next to look like a stack of dimes rather than quarters, uh, then you know something's not right. And uh, depending on what you want happening, it's got to happen. And maybe sometimes it's good to make an entire switch on the offensive side of the football program, the defensive side, and also in the strength and conditioning program. And I am not suggesting that. All I am saying is, yes, it's all under the head football coach, not under the athletic director, 
no one else. As a head football coach, you have the say of all of those departments. Otherwise, I don't want the job. If you want your strength and conditioning coach, then you coach the football team. Well, this is what I want, and this is who I'm going to hire. And that's exactly the way you do it at places that want to win, like Clemson and like Alabama. All right. Coach Harvey Hyde, really cool stuff. Um, Yeah, try to make sense of this craziness around the USC football program. We're used to it. It's not like it's new. There's always something kind of crazy going on, but it's always a a new and unique uh, way to look at it. And uh, I don't know, it's just – it's the gift that keeps on giving when you're covering USC football. It's always something interesting. It is. And uh, I, I feel sorry for the kids. I feel sorry for the fans and the students. Uh, players, of course. Parents of the players, especially the ones that just signed with the assumption that Cliff Kingsbury would be the offensive coordinator. But you got to remember, you can't stand in the way of progress. If you wouldn't allowed him to go, can you imagine the atmosphere of having him sit in a staff meeting or look at Lynn Swan or hoping maybe you lose or whatever with that type of morale? If someone doesn't want to be there and has an opportunity to improve themselves, you got to shake their hand and say, good luck. And I think that's the attitude that they should uh, show as an example that you come to SC to get a better opportunity. You come there as a student to get a better opportunity. You come there as an athlete to get a better opportunity or a coach or a faculty member. And uh, they've got to be able to look at, you know, our job is to help people become successful. And whether it's for a month or a week or a day or five years or whatever, this is what USC is all about. So I think they've got to get back to what they uh, – you know, they used to say, uh, once a Trojan, always a Trojan type of attitude. We are a family. Yes. And I think they need to get back to that, and I don't believe really they're doing that or practicing that now. All right. Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Great stuff. Thanks again, Coach. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. That's Coach. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 